Uh, Acts chapter one, if you wanna open your Bible to Acts chapter one, we're gonna go there in just a second. As I've already announced uh, in the service, we are finishing up our missions celebration, the time that we set aside every year to just kind of refocus and recenter and think about again uh, what it is that we're here for and to remind ourselves, because it's so easy to get busy with living that we forget what it is that we're supposed to be doing uh, here on this earth. And so that's what this is. And uh, the theme for our mission celebration this year, uh, our theme for the year actually is set by the Assemblies of God World Missions Department in Springfield. And it's empowered so all can hear, which is interesting because we have just come out of a series on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and why he is in us. And this is why he's empowered us so that all can hear. And so the point of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not for us to be able to de debate it with other Christians. It's not to prove it to other people. It's an empowerment to be witnesses. And here's what I think. If the, the Pentecostal spirit-filled church of God actually lived empowered to be witnesses on a regular basis, there'd be no debate. I mean, the fruit of what is taking place would settle the debate once and for all. I mean, in the book of Acts, can you imagine them debating whether or not the power of the Holy Spirit was for today? No, why? Because it was being displayed. Thousands were being saved. People were being healed. They were coming together to take care of the orphans and the widows. They were, they were doing what we were called to do. But as it is today, we just gather in buildings like this and debate stuff and wonder why the world isn't changed. Interesting, isn't it? And today, we're gonna talk about praying and giving. Uh, we're going to celebrate a little bit, and uh, I hope I'm going to challenge you a little bit, because there's a lot to celebrate, but there's a lot to be challenged by, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8 here, because we've looked at it several times throughout this missions convention, this mission celebration, and it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, the thing about God is he sees the end from the beginning. When he created the earth, when the foundations of the earth were laid, he knew all that was gonna take place. He knew Jesus was gonna come. He knew the Holy Spirit was gonna be poured out, and he knew he was gonna be poured out on the day of Pentecost. I mean, the Bible says when the day fully came, that's when the Holy Spirit came. They tarried in Jerusalem, and they prayed for this promise that Jesus told them was coming. They prayed for 40 days that it would happen. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. That was the timing and the will of God set in his imagination, plan, whatever you wanna call it, from the foundation of the earth. And that plan also included you and I today. He saw us. It wasn't like God's just been waiting to see who's gonna be born next. God knew you were gonna be here April the 26th, April the 26th, April the 26th, 2015, you are gonna be in this room today hearing this message. This has been in his heart. And I hope that what he's put in my heart has been what's been in his heart since the foundation of the earth so that now tomorrow and the next day and until he comes, we do what's been in his heart since the beginning of time. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? When you stop and think about what God has done. And his plan has involved us being witnesses in Huron, just like Jerusalem, in South Dakota, just like Judea, in the United States, just like Samaria, in the inner cities, maybe would be a, a better way to say it. Samaria was a place that no one wanted to go. 
Maybe in some of those places on the other side of the tracks is what he's talking about. And to the ends of the earth. And his plan involves us not just picking one of those to do. I mean, some people, well, you know, I I feel so called to reach the city of Huron. If you live in Huron, whether you feel something or not, you're called to reach the city of Huron. If you live in South Dakota, whether or not you feel called to do it, you're called to reach South Dakota. Whether you feel anything, we're called to take this gospel to the ends of the earth, and we're going to look at how we do that. But one of the things that is interesting to me in the early church is the connectedness of the early church. When you look at um, how in the local body of believers they were put together or set up, it's just amazing to me that this body of believers was so connected, not just to the local church, but to the church around the world. Um, all over the world, the gospel is, is going out and, and they're hearing of it and they're giving in offerings. And there was no email, there were no cell phones, there was no Facebook, and, and yet there was a connectedness, a partnership, if you will, in this worldwide church that existed through the power of the Holy Spirit, through sending letters that took who knows how long to show up, through dreams and through visions, the way that God maybe still wants to work today, but in the busyness of cell phones and email and Facebook, maybe we don't rely on the Holy Spirit as much as we ought. I mean, we can rely on technology to get the word out. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? You hear? (coughs) So partnership, that's a word we've used a lot, and I want to show you where it comes from. We've talked about it a lot over the last several weeks, and right here in Philippians chapter 1 is kind of where it's birthed. Every time I think of you, Paul writes, I give thanks to God. Paul planted this church. He started this group of believers in in Philippi. He was the one that went there when no one had heard the message. They heard the message. A church was born, birthed out of that. And he now is writing them a letter from prison, talking to them. And he says, whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the first time you heard it until now you've been partners. They've been telling other people in Philippi about it. They've been supporting Paul in his ministry. They have been partners in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. This partnership was birthed in their hearts by the Holy Spirit. And I'm certain, Paul says, that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day Christ Jesus returns. I mean, if you know, God's work is not finished. It's not finished. His work in us is not finished. Everyone say amen. And his work in our city is not finished. His work in our state is not finished. His work in our nation is not finished. His work around the world is not finished. And he is faithful to complete it. And he's also chosen us to be a part of it. And when you stop and think about it, actually the the things in the heart of God can actually be hindered by our unwillingness to partner with him. So Paul says, it's right that I should feel about you as I do. You have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and defending 
and confirming the truth of the, the good news. And so this partnership is birthed, I believe, by the Holy Spirit. And I believe every time a missionary comes to our church or shares with us in a letter or a video what God is doing and we pray with them or pray for them or say, you know what, we're gonna send you this much money every month in a, a faith promise, if you will, and we're gonna make this pledge to you and as you're overseas and we've supported some missionaries, you know, they come through here and sometimes it goes in one ear and out the other and they, Lee and Colleen, thank you for supporting us, they said, for 20 plus years that they have been on the field telling people about Jesus. Every person that's come into the kingdom because of what they have done Credit to us. Same, those who, those who go overseas and those who send them receive the same credit. God doesn't in heaven say, well, that one gave more. And this one just prayed and sent. So, you know, they, they get a reward too, but it's a little lesser. No, God says, you know what? The work could not be done if someone didn't go. And the work could not be done if someone didn't pray. And the work could not be done if someone didn't give. And so everyone is a partner together in this. That's partnership, and that's birthed in our hearts as we hear these messages, and here's the thing. Sometimes a missionary comes, and it's something you're passionate about. There, I mean, it lights something in you, and you're like, man, I love that people group, or that, that message really excites me, and we give based on that. Sometimes people say, why do we take so many offerings? Because different people give to different things. It shouldn't be. I mean, we should give to the work of God no matter how we feel emotionally about it, but when it's something we're passionate about, we give more. Because it, it, it's like the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, this is you, your thing, you give to it. We had the chance to help the Plus One Guidance Center and some people, man, you're so passionate about getting that message of life and, and stopping abortion and you wanna get that message out there. And so when you hear that message, it resonates with you and it's valuable to you and you write a, a, a check for it. You put money in an offering. And that's why we do it. I'm not gonna make apologies. I, I don't force you. I don't put a gun to anyone's head. I don't threaten to lock the doors. We put an offering basket out and if you can give, give. And if you can't, don't. But that's what we do. And we're gonna tell you how we've done in just a minute, but our part is important. This partnership matters and it's valuable. And I hope we understand that and don't neglect it or second guess it. In Colossians, Paul writing to the church now in Colossians, same thing, started this church, and he says, we always pray for you. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? We always pray for you. Our missionaries pray for us. Sometimes I think, man, stop wasting your time praying for me. You got more to pray for. But how many of you know they need to pray for us? Because sometimes we get lazy and we get caught up in, in our own little world here, and so we need them to pray for us. We give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. The confident hope we have, God has reserved something in heaven for us. That's what we do. You've had this expectation since you heard, first heard the good news and the same good news that came to you is going out all over the world and it's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. So we've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. This message, this is the benefit of partnership. This message that you heard about is going out all over the world and people's lives are being changed. That's the fruit of partnership. In the Assemblies of God, we became a movement back in 1914. That, that was when the, the Assemblies of God, the, the church 
of the Assemblies of God was born, if you will. And it was a group of people that wanted to believe, again, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, didn't believe that it had died off. And they came together and the, the Holy Spirit was poured out on their lives and they began immediately to tell others about the gospel. They began to tell them about Jesus and revival spread. People were getting saved and this movement was beginning. And these, this group of men met together and said, you know, do, should we form a, a fellowship, a denomination and, and do it? But most of them have come out of dom- denominations where they got kicked out because they believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. So they were, they were like, we don't want to do that. We don't want to make a denomination. We don't want to make rules and regulations and structure and, and have the passion of God die out in our lives. So, so we don't want to do it. But We want to strategically come together because there's a world that needs to, in their heart, the baptism in the Holy Spirit had changed them and they understood that there's a world that needs to hear this message. And if we come together in some form of loose structure, we can probably together do a better job of getting this message out. And since 1914, in just 100 years, the Assemblies of God worldwide has now become, next to the Catholic Church, the largest church around the world. Why? Because the Holy Spirit put it in some men and women's heart back in 1914 that people need to hear this message. And unfortunately, most of our Assemblies of God churches now no longer function or exist to tell others about Jesus. They exist for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They exist for miracles to happen today. They exist for healing and and lively services where people can come in and hear a message and be uh, pumped up and ready to go out and live better or get healed. And yet the Assemblies of God in 1914 said we commit ourselves and the movement to the greatest evangelization the world has ever seen. That's what the Holy Spirit put in their hearts. It's not that group of men. It's not you and I in this room. The Assemblies of God is nothing special. We're just a group of people that were simple enough to believe that God wanted to change the world. I am so glad to be a part of something worldwide that I could never do by myself. And in your program today, there are two flyers. And these flyers will give you some statistics, if you want to take time to read them, of what the Assemblies of God is doing right now around the world. And we're a part of that. Each of us get to be a part of what God is doing around the world in places we've never even been because of partnership. That's what's taking place. But the message of the gospel needs to go across the street and around the world. And sometimes we can get really good at sending it around the world and forget to take it across the street. And I don't want to just pick one or the other. I want to do both. And so today, we're going to talk about both. I read a quote this week, and I wanted to share it with you, by a man by the name of Eric Johnson. He says, if our theology does not cause us to love humanity more and more, we need to question our theology. If we come to church week after week after week, and our hearts are not breaking over the lostness of our world, if we're getting angry at our world, if we're getting more and more irritated with our world, something's wrong with our theology. Because if anyone had the right to get frustrated and angry and uh, just jaded and sarcastic toward the world, it was Christ. I mean, he came to this earth perfect and sinless and surrounded himself with imperfect people who just didn't get it, even though he preached it to them over and over again. They crucified him. And yet the love of humanity that just flows out of his life, we need that. 
We need that, especially in our day and age. And so as a church, it's important that we stay missions-minded. Not just missions-minded around the world, but missions-minded across the street, but all of it has gotta flow out of love for Christ and love for people. It kind of fits with what we were talking about today. I mean, it's easy to get in the habit of just giving in a missions offering because that's what we know is the right thing to do. It's another to give in a missions offering because we have caught the compassion of Christ that says somebody needs to hear the message. And this has been a missions-minded church for as long as I've been here. I didn't start it. I didn't birth this into the DNA of the church. Somebody else did a long time ago. And they, it's been a part of the DNA of this church for a very long time. And if you look at the missionaries that have gone out, one last week that was here, Colleen Jenkins, who, who grew up here and heard this message, and that message kind of infected her. And, you know, I joke every time a missionary comes. In fact, last Sunday morning, uh, I, Lee said something in Sunday school, and I caught eyes with Pastor John across the table, and I said, plug your ears. I don't want you to hear this. I don't want you to get infected with the missions bug because we have a, a habit of bringing staff in and then them going out because they get infected with this missions bug. Good, I mean, I joke about it, but it's, it's what a partnership we have. What a credit to our account that we get to send people out and reach people that we could never reach in our little corner of this world. And so, you know, if he gets infected and goes somewhere, praise God, he'll, he'll bring us somebody else. <laughs> but look at what happened last year, 2014. We as a church gave $68,929 to missions works, okay? $68,929 is significant. Now that's beyond the tithe. That's beyond the general account offering that we get. That, that's just extra offerings. And we have about 100 people that attend service on Sunday morning. And so that's about a $700 commitment from each person throughout the year that we give to missions. That's pretty significant, but when you look at that number, $68,929 in a year, that's a lot of money. But when you look at 700, I mean, 700's a lot too, but it's not as much. That's what we do together. See how the, when you come together, but when you break it down even further, it's $2 a day, less than $2 a day. And so here's my problem. That's a great big number, and I'm like, wow, that, that's awesome. But in essence, it costs me less than two bucks a day. That's a problem. You see, I'm, I'm so excited for what we've done, but when I look in the mirror, I think, what's that? <laughs> now, you might be saying, well, but 100 people that show up, I look around, some of those are family. Okay, 50. So it costs me less than four bucks a day. Unfortunately, everyone in the room is probably not a part of that statistic. Just like the Assemblies of God churches around the world, 12,792 churches that we have in the Assemblies of God in the United States. 12,792. Wow, what could we do together? <laughs> do you know where our church ranked in missions giving in all of those churches? 12,792 last year? 956 which is exciting, and I think, wow, that's pretty good for our little church. But then my heart says, what is going on? How can we have assemblies of God churches that give nothing to missions in an entire year? 
And even that is less than four bucks a day. I spend more than that on coffee. Probably. And some of you, it's Mountain Dew, so you know, hey, it's, pick your sin. <laughs> Unless you're Dwayne and you get it on sale and you only spend like 50 cents a day and buy it in bulk. You see, you see, I feel so pulled in two different directions. In one sense, I want to celebrate what God has done because that's your faithfulness. That's the Holy Spirit moving upon you and you putting money in a basket. And, so, and sometimes it's by faith and sometimes it's by passion. But that's, so, that's great. But then at the same time, something on the inside of me just says, it's just not enough because the work isn't finished. In the last 30 days, this number's staggering. We have brought in Mike and Tilly Waldner, Christy McDougall, Lee and Colleen Jenkins, the Plus One Guidance Center. We've taken our regular missions offerings. In just the last 30 days alone, this church has given $6,276 to missions works. That's, that's fairly impressive. And yet, it's just still not enough. I can't really speak for you, so I'll just have to speak for me. When I look at Colossians chapter four, it says devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. And Paul says pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's why I'm here in chains. Pray that I should proclaim this as clearly as I should. These flags that are around the room are not just pretty decorations that we put up for mission celebration. These represent countries of the world where we are partners with a missionary. The prayer books that we have put together and put in your mailbox today, uh, this isn't just something that we can do. This is so you can see the faces and the names of the people we are partnering with so you can pray for them. Those missionaries bring us prayer cards that you can put on your fridge or on your wall or in your Bible or anywhere you're gonna see them. I like to put mine on my wall in my office so as I take time to pray, the, the Holy Spirit can lead me to those people. In fact, I have friends that were missionaries that are on my wall that uh, are now actually off the field and divorced and I keep their card on my wall because I think you know they, just, they still need to be prayed for and whatever it takes to remind ourselves that this matters matters. Prayer is our part of this partnership. And sometimes we, we begin to believe that God's just going to do it whether or not we pray. That maybe prayer is just optional or maybe prayer is not as important as actually packing your bags and going overseas. And w the enemy has blinded us to this. Paul understood it. He says, I need you to devote yourselves to prayer, uh, all kinds of prayer, but I need you to pray for me too. I need you to pray that I proclaim the message. I need you to pray for open doors, to give me opportunities. I mean, do you, do you think that God's just gonna do it if we don't pray and ask him? Or do you think our prayers actually matter? Because what we believe will actually determine how we pray or how we don't. And I think we can get so cynical to the point where we believe that it's just gonna happen. I mean, if we just show up at church and we, we sing some songs and we put some money in a basket, then that's all we gotta do. But Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few, so go and serve. Oh wait, that's not what he said. He said pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers. Why would he say that? I mean, the Bible says that it's in the heart of God that none would perish but all would have eternal life and Jesus came to be the light of the world and he gave his life so why on earth would God tell us to worry about praying for workers? 
because God has entered into partnership with us. And we just assume he's gonna do it whether we pray or not. I mean, I, I wonder if, if God only did this week in, in Huron, in South Dakota, around the world, only did what I actually prayed for, how busy would he be? And while I pray for missionaries and I put their cards on the wall and, and I'm doing what I can, I sometimes stop and wonder, could I do more? Could I be more strategic? Am I, am I too lazy in my prayers? Have I taken for granted that God's just gonna do it because he's sovereign? Or have I fully understood partnership? And so then I pray, God, help me to understand partnership to the point that, that I actually pray like it matters. That I actually start to pray for my neighbors like it matters. Because here's the thing, it matters. It matters. The quote by Mark Batterson that I love says, pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. Pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. Uh, and then we come to the area of giving. And this is a very familiar passage that we talk about every year on Faith Promise Sunday. You know, as we, we do a great job of responding to needs. Uh, you know, $6,276 in the last 30 days proves the faithfulness of when, when we put an offering in front of you or a need in front of you, we respond. But here's the thing. We're entering into partnership with missionaries where month after month after month after month, we're sending them a check when we forget that we've actually partnered with them. And sometimes it gets boring along the way, somewhere 11 months in or three years in, and we forget. It's easy to just say, well, you know, I could use that $30 for cable and I, I don't need to send that overseas anymore and we forget but we can't allow that partnership to, to die in our hearts look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 I want you to know dear brothers and sisters what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia they're being tested by many troubles they're very poor but they're also filled with abundant joy which has overflowed in rich generosity for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford but far more they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for all believers in Jerusalem. They did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we've urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving since you excel in so many ways, faith, gifted speakers, knowledge, enthusiasm, your love from us, I want you also to excel in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this. I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. You know that the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. By his poverty he could make you rich. It's interesting that Paul says that because we would rather he command us to give than to say I'm testing you by comparing you with other churches. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? I put the Macedonian church out here and I, I, I want you to see them and I want you to recognize they're very poor and look what they did because I want that, not to stir up jealousy within you, but I want it to stir up passion in you to say, you know what? If that church can do it, we can do it. And we have looked at that in our day and age and we say, you know, our giving should be kept in secret and we should not celebrate giving. And we used to, in the Assemblies of God, list all of the churches giving around the, the state, but then the, the small churches felt bad that they couldn't give as much as the large churches. Really? So we can't partner together? We can't see what we did together? We can't enter into partnership and say, you know what? 
whether we gave this much or you gave this much doesn't matter because in, we're, we're partners together. And so before the Lord, we all get credit. No, jealousy has to rise up in our hearts and the enemy gets to divide and say, you know, don't celebrate that stuff anymore. Don't know what anyone else gives. Keep your giving in secret. The Bible says keep your giving in secret, even though that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says don't let your motivation for giving be to be seen by men. And it shouldn't. But we ought to be able to celebrate. This church was poor. And Paul says, I'm not commanding you to give in the offering. I'm not going to command anyone to give in the offering today. I'm not going to say you're not spiritual enough if you don't give. But Paul says, I want you to excel. This is a grace of God because God is a giver. And if the giver lives in us, we'll be givers. And not just in missions offerings, but with our lives. With everything. We will hold everything loosely. We need just a change of heart. So that we can give, not even what we could afford, but even beyond that, the Bible says. And so for us, a faith promise is this. Let me just say one thing about faith promises. If we give a faith promise, and then we go to the store, and we have to buy our groceries with a credit card, that's not a faith promise. Because if we're giving, but yet going into debt, I don't think that's biblical. So our giving shouldn't do that but our giving should be sacrificial. I think there are, are, are times we could say, you know what, I do this, but I could cut that in order to give. I could take from this part and, and give to this part. And you know what you need to do in order to do that? You need to have a budget. You need to go through financial peace with Dave Ramsey and he'll put you on a budget so that when a missionary comes through and you write that check because you were moved with your emotion and you say, okay, I'm writing this check, but it's gotta come from somewhere because it's not gonna go on MasterCard Okay, so respond to the emotion. Paul says, you know, give what you can give. Set aside money. Look at your budget. Make sure you can do it. Don't just be compelled to give because some preacher said, you know what, if you give, the Lord's gonna give back to you. That's truth. If you give, the Lord's gonna flow into your life in different ways. It's absolutely true. But it's not always dollar for dollar and it's not always the Holy Spirit telling you to write the big check. Sometimes it's just manipulation. And so I don't want you to be manipulated. I want you to think about it. I want you to say, what could we sacrifice? And then I want you to begin to pray. And that's why we gave you the faith promise cards last week. So you could think about it and pray about it through the week and say, Lord, what do you want us to do? And Lord, beyond what we could give, beyond what we could sacrifice, is there an amount you want us to put down that you're going to supply above and beyond it? And that's a faith promise. I liken it to Peter walking on the water. You don't walk on the water by sitting in the boat. And we want to, God, we want you to do great things and give money through us. And God's like, okay, well, here, put this down. Lord, you need to provide for that because I can't pay that without using MasterCard. Is this making sense? There needs to be a faith level to our giving. And that faith promise card is your opportunity to do that. And so, Praying and giving, that's our part of this partnership. We, we send missionaries overseas, but our part is to pray and our part is to give, but our part is also to be a missionary right here. And it's hard to do that because when a missionary goes overseas, they're constantly reminded they're in a culture that's not their own. So they're constantly reminded, I'm here for a different reason. Now, they, they still get married, they still have children, they still go on vacations, they still take days off, they still sightsee, they take pictures. I mean, if you're friends with, with 
Brittany on Facebook, you get to see that there are days that she goes around Spain with some of her friends and they just take fun pictures. She's a missionary. What's she doing? She's taking a day off. But yet, she's constantly reminded, I'm in this culture to tell others about Jesus. We sometimes forget, because we're in the culture that is our own and we're comfortable, that we're in this culture for a reason. And while we still go on vacation and while we still live our lives and we still work different jobs, missionaries around the country are serving in countries where they don't get to tell people about Jesus openly. They're working secular jobs, but they're constantly reminded, this is why I'm here. And we have to be constantly reminding ourselves or asking him to remind us why we're here. Because evangelism is more than building a building and inviting people to come to church. It's more than having a service and saying, lost people, come on in. That's not evangelism. Because look around. They're not coming. We've been here for 75, 80 years and they're not coming. Jesus never said, go into all the world and say, come. He said, go into all the world and tell them the good news. Tell them the good news. And so while you know, it's great, I stop and I think about what we do in America, what we do, this church, and we come here and we, we pray. In fact, just this week at District Council, the challenge was made to us about what, how we do church. We come here and we open in prayer and we sing songs for us, well, for the Lord, but for us. And if the songs aren't the songs that I would have chosen, I complain about it because it's for me. And we pray for needs of the people that are here. And how much of what we do, we hear sermons about things that will help us live better lives, and how much of what we do in this room centers around the people out there? Well, but pastor, you have to balance ministry with, to the body with reaching the lost. Really? Because how many of us in this room are going to fall away at the end of the day? If God doesn't answer my prayer for healing or my prayer for, for my financial breakthrough or get me that thing that I need or, or help me live in a better home, or if that doesn't happen, my life will be inconvenient. But if they don't hear they spend eternity in hell. Do you, do you understand what that means? And so what happens is we, we come in this and we sit in this room and we're comfortable and we're having church and it's all about me, Jesus. All this is for me. And we, we didn't plan for this to happen. In fact, most of us don't want it to happen. In fact, most of you right now are like, how does this happen? It just happens. And we need to cry out to God and say, God, something has got to change. This isn't what you died for. You didn't die so that a building could be on 9th and Lincoln. You didn't die so that this could be pretty in here. You died because people need to hear. Across the street, they need to hear. And so my priorities have got to change. The way I live my life has got to change. How I see things has got to change because they need to hear. People around the world need to hear. So how I live my life and how I, I, I organize my, my, my budget and my skill, it's got to change. Because $4 a, a, a day is, in, is great. But God, really, something has got to change. I don't want to be guilted into this. God, I want to be compelled into it by love. By love. So I need your love to so consume my life that I can't not tell people. That I can't not write that check. I need to be changed. 
we need to pray like we've never prayed before. We need to give like we've never given before. We need to learn to live on mission for him the way a missionary does overseas. But not only live on mission, a quote that I heard this week, again, just a challenge of what God has done. Because this is me. I mean, this may not be you. Maybe I'm just preaching for me today. But living on mission is important, but living in submission is crucial. Living on mission is important, but living in submission is crucial. It's not just living on mission for God, it's living in submission to God in everything that he asks. It's not that, you know, we, praise God you gave $68,929 to missions last year and you hate the Nicolaitans, but I have this one thing against you. It's not motivated by love. Does that make sense? I mean, it's not the amount. It, the amount might not even change. The amount next year might actually decrease. But if it's motivated by love, then it's, it's good. And we don't know if that amount is motivated by love or not. But the Lord does. And he wants us to make sure we're being motivated by love. And the only way to be motivated by love is to pray and say, God, you just need to completely consume me with love. I'm cynical of my world. I'm complacent toward my world. I'm all of the, God, I just need to be so compelled by love that everything changes. Everything changes. I mean, I don't want to make light of our problems. We use the phrase, not a third world problem all the time. I don't want to make light of what we go through, the trials that we face, because they're real. I mean, the sicknesses that we endure and the hardships that we endure, but in the grand scheme of things, when you stop for just a moment and realize that we live on this earth for 100 years or less, and at the end of it, if we know Christ, we get paradise. Every person out that door that doesn't know him gets eternity separated from him. It puts it in a different perspective. Things can't go on the way they've gone on. Something has got to change. And so at the end of this missions convention, this mission celebration, I want us to take these last few moments and I want us to, to spend the time in prayer, to spend the time in worship to spend the time just contemplating what God has for us. And what I would like you to do in your program that you have, uh, there is a couple things that I want you to pull out and I want you to use during this time. We have a video that we're gonna show you in just a moment and it's a song that, it's an old song, but it, it just says it. In fact, uh, I asked Pastor John this week, I said, you know, maybe we need to put it on our iPods and walk around with our earbuds in, because teenagers do it all the time. And uh, we could walk around with the earbuds in listening to the song, People Need the Lord, so that we just remind it. Um, but maybe we just need the Holy Spirit to birth that in our hearts. And so we don't need music at all. We just need him to remind us people need the Lord. And this summer, we're going to be doing a series that I'm calling In the Gap. We're going to be looking at Bible characters and how they stood in the gap for others and how the Lord is calling us to stand in the gap for people, trying to keep our focus on reaching the lost, ministering to people, being on mission for God. But we need to pray this morning, first and foremost, for heart change. We need God to just do something in us that changes everything. I mean, I'm not saying we haven't done a great job. We've done, we've done a great job. But 
there's just more to do. I mean, in a way, I celebrate the faithfulness of what has happened over these last 30 days and this last year, but when I look at what is, is still left to do, I, we can't stop and celebrate for too long. And so God, change our hearts so that we pray and we give like it matters, like it matters. In your program, there's the impact here on. We talked about this last week at the, the missions banquet and uh, we asked you to pray over it and think about it this week and how you would like to be uh, connected or committed to that. Now, the dates for that are there. If you would like to help us full-time, which means you'll take the time off work that week and you'll be here all week long. Um, if you can do that, mark part-time or full-time on there. If it's part-time, what you could do, how you'd like to help, how you'd be available to serve. If you'd like to serve on the planning committee for that, um, we, we need to make a difference in our city, and that's one way this summer that you'll have an opportunity to do that. Also, your faith promise card is in there. I'd like you to pull that out and uh, consider how you would think the Lord would, would want you to give in this year ahead. Why do we take faith promises? We need to set a budget as a missions committee. Uh, missionaries come through all the time and say, hey, can you take us on for support? I don't know. Um, and so we look at what you have promised to give or what your faith promise is and we look at how much is coming in every month because we realize that uh, we make faith promises and part of that portion is God's and unless God comes through, that's not coming in. So we don't take the faith promise cards and total them and say, all right, let's start spending this much. Um, we kind of take steps of faith but we do it cautiously. Maybe we step out of the boat and just check to see if the water is going to hold us, um, call it what you will. But uh, there have been times in the past where we put missionaries on support and then we have to call them sometimes and say, the money's just not coming in. We're sorry, we have to pull that support. That doesn't happen often, praise God, because we just try to find ways to, to make it come in as much as we can. But we have to give them an answer. And so your giving every single month in that offering and your faith promise helps us to set that budget. And so we want you to do that. We want you to consider how much you could give sacrificially, how much you can give without feeling it, because all of us could give something without feeling it, and then how much you're asking the Lord is laying on your heart to give above that. So fill out that card. I've got a basket here in the front. If you want to bring that faith promise card, your impact here on cards, and uh, that's how we're going to close this, this missions celebration. We're going to spend this time in prayer asking the Lord to transform our hearts, asking him how we can partner with him through Impact Huron, through faith promises, and in whatever other ways that he moves upon our hearts. And so I'm gonna close in prayer. We're gonna put that video on, and as you need to be dismissed, just feel free to be dismissed, but let this be just kind of a place of prayer for those that wanna continue to fill this information out and even spend some time in prayer before they leave this morning. And so Father, I simply say thank you for what you've done. Thank you for putting people on this earth and in my life that would pray for me, that would tell me, God, I'm here today because someone prayed. I'm here today because someone taught me, someone showed me the way to live. Thank you for those people. Thank you for your plan of salvation that you made available to me. But God, today I pray that you would just change my heart. God, I recognize that I live my life too much for me. Too much of it is about me and my preference and I need you to so fill me with your love and compassion that it changes my priorities. 
that it changes how I pray, that it changes how I, I give. Forgive me for being cynical and jaded towards our world. Forgive me for being complacent in prayer, thinking that you're just gonna do whatever you desire to do and failing my end of this partnership. Holy Spirit, I need your help because I can't do it in my own strength. I'll fail without you. And I need you to birth this in my heart, not just today, but tomorrow and this week and next year. I need you to, to remind me when I, I, I make my schedule or when I make commitments that, that I need to leave room for you and for what you wanna do, that I listen for you and the commitments that you want me to make. Holy Spirit, as I, I set a budget, I need you to help me to not just spend money the way I wanna spend money, but it's, it's your money anyway. And so I need you to help me to know what you wanna do in my life, what you wanna do in, in my family, what you wanna do in our church. Holy Spirit, help us. Speak clearly to us today. Change our hearts. Let today be a turning point in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As you fill out your cards, feel free to bring them uh, here to the front when you're ready to be dismissed. Uh, you can go ahead and do that too. Who?